chapter 6, and last week we, we uh, continued to remind ourselves of this, that we are in a spiritual battle, minute by minute, day by day, we are in a war. And we cannot be lazy in this war, it's a spiritual war, and we have to be 100% reliant, not on our strength, but 100% reliant on the strength of God in this battle. We need his strength. And when we fight this battle, we looked and we saw this the past couple weeks, that we must not underestimate our enemy. And our enemy is the devil. He is defeated. He is our defeated enemy, praise God. But yet we reminded ourselves that he's the enemy who is still seeking to destroy. He's defeated. But you know this, defeated armies do not always easily surrender. And I guarantee you that the defeat of Satan is not a peaceful surrender, but it is an assured defeat. And the day is coming when Christ will return and Satan will be destroyed utterly and placed eternity into hell, into the lake of fire. So we're fighting a battle, but let's remember Jesus has won the battle. And I loved this last week, and, and really, you know, when you preach, there are things that stick with you also. When you're studying and when, you, when, you, when you're reading the text and going over it. And what really struck me, and I, I pray it did for you too, is this reminder. As Jesus has won the battle, Paul doesn't instruct us in this text to win the battle. He tells us to stand firm in the battle. That's our job. Our job is not to be the winner because Christ won. Our job is to stand firm in the battle that we're in. So we fight a confident battle because we know that Jesus Christ is the victor and all things will be put under his feet, as the scriptures say. So since we're in a battle, we need to be equipped for the battle and we are to be equipped with God's armor. I want to read the text, then we'll pray. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Father, be with us this morning as we look into your word. Father, we, may we be reminded of your greatness, of your victory, of the resources that you've given to us in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So we're in a battle. 
And since we're in a battle, we need to be equipped for the battle. And I don't know, have you ever really thought about this? Do you know how important it really is? Do you realize how it's important to be properly equipped for battle? To have the proper equipment. Over the past five or six years, I, I lose track of time. I think it's part of getting older. I've had the opportunity to go to Heartland Camp with our youth, both junior high and high school. And camp is great. I, I, I love camp. And I love spending time with your kids, and I call them my kids and our kids. And, and I love ministering alongside with them. I love meeting other worship leaders, other youth pastors. It's just really, a, it's a blessing. I enjoy camp. It's exhausting, but camp is, is really great. It's great ministry. But in all these years, there's one activity that kids have always asked me to do that I have never done. Paintball. I'm not going to play paintball. Alex is smiling at me. Why wouldn't I play paintball, you might ask? Well, I'm big. I'm slow. I didn't used to be. I used to be quite quick. And now I get injured very easily. Every single year, kids, our kids, kids up at camp, say, Pastor Ron, are you going to play paintball? Every year, my answer is the same, no. Now, I have to admit, it's tempting. In fact, if they would give me a sniper rifle and let me sit up in some kind of a fort surrounded by wood, and I could just kind of sit there and have a soda or something and just pick off kids, I would love that. That'd be a hoot. <laughs> that would be great. I'd be in. But that's not the case. You got to run through the woods. I know I'll break an ankle, I'll twist an ankle, I'll ruin a knee. And not only that, I'm the biggest and slowest target out there and I will get peppered with paintballs. But every year there's this temptation. And I say it to Karen as I'm packing, Karen, maybe I'll play this year. Maybe I'll do paintball. But then I'm reminded that I'm fragile, that I don't like pain, that I'm out of shape, that you're at higher altitude, that it's just going to be nothing but a mess. And so to make sure that I don't give in when I get up to camp, I do this. I have never packed long pants to camp. Shorts and t-shirts, that's it. 100% of the time. You see, I've learned every year up at camp, there's one or two kids whose minds are not fully developed. <laughs> and they go out and play in shorts and a tank top. They're wearing the helmet and the face guard, but they're completely exposed. And they come back just covered with welts. They look out and they laugh about it. I'm like, you're nuts. What are you laughing about? You're a mess. You see, they get creamed out there. Because look, a high school kid, a junior higher, they see a kid in full camo covered from head to toe, or they see a kid with white skin and light skin ready to go, maybe a sunburns on there. What are you going to aim for? Let's bring the pain. That's what a kid will say. And so they go after them. They go after the weak one. You see, I share this, and I want to get you, I say, it's crazy to play paintball in a t-shirt. You just don't do that if you're thinking properly. But here's the thing. We're in a battle. We're in a war. And I think too many times we're fine walking around in this extreme spiritual battle and it's a battle with a crafty and a devious enemy. And instead of realizing that we have the armor of God, we're walking around in shorts and flip-flops. We're relaxed. 
Now, here's the thing. Do we have great victory in Christ? Yes. Do we rest in the victory in Christ? Yes. But does that mean we're lazy? Does that mean we're relaxed? The language here is battle, warfare, crafty enemy, devious enemy, a schemer. He wants to take us down. So there is not room for relaxation. In fact, there's room only for this. Put on the armor of God. That's why the first verse, in verse 13, the first word, therefore. Well, what is the word therefore? Therefore. It's this. Be strong in the Lord because this, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the armor, the full armor of God. I don't know about you, but that is an enemy that apart from God... I have no resources by myself. Cosmic powers, forces of darkness, spiritual forces of evil. Let that sink in. This is not the time to be lazy in our victory in Jesus. We go into battle. So we must be equipped. We must stand firm. And Paul now is telling us to put on the armor of God and he's going to describe the armor. The armor we see in verse 13 is this. Remember, it is the armor of God. It's from God. This is God's armor. And if you remember a few weeks ago, we mentioned in the Old Testament how the Messiah and how God is mentioned to be a warrior. Our God is a warrior. And in fact, in Isaiah 11, 1 through 5, and Isaiah 59, 17, it says this, that the armor, that the Messiah has armor, and the armor we have is the armor the Messiah wears. See, this is putting on Christ when we put on the armor. And so we stand firm. Because of the armor we have than that we wear into battle. We stand firm and we do not need to yield any ground. We don't even need to yield a millimeter to our enemy. Because we stand firm in Christ and we have the full armor of God. So let's be a people who are ready. Ready to put on the battle gear. When you go on a cruise, you wear cruise wear, right? When you go to the snow, you wear snow gear. When you hunt, you wear camo. When you surf, you wear a wetsuit, at least up here in Santa Cruz. When you're in a spiritual battle, you take on and put on the full armor of God. We wear battle gear because we are in a battle. And so the first article of armor Paul lists is this, the belt of truth. 614, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. You know, in our study of Ephesians, we saw this a few times, and that's this truth. Truth is important. Truth is important. We see this in Ephesians 2. We saw it. Truth is revealed in the gospel. Remember Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, since we place our faith in the truth, Whoops, I missed my notes here. In him, 
You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That's Ephesians 1, 13. And so since the gospel is truth, and since then we're messengers of truth, and since we place our faith in the truth, since Jesus is truth, then Paul gives us this application. And he gives us this in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16. Church, let's turn there. Ephesians chapter 4. It's too good not to. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10. He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. That's Christ. And Christ, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. So he gave the church a great gift. He gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. For what purpose? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Christ. When and how long is this to happen? Until this, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ for this purpose, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather... Look at this. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. You see, sometimes I think people think speaking the truth in love is just speaking the truth. Maybe you've had this unfortunate occasion. Ron, can I talk to you for a second? Sure. I'm just going to speak the truth in love. You're a jerk. Whoa. Whoa. Thanks for the love. That's not what exactly we're saying here. It's not just saying, I'm going to just speak the truth and be blunt. There might be a place for that. But what this is saying is, speak the truth. It means preach the word. Preach Christ. It says, go here and speak the truth in love. And you say, this is God's word. This is what God says. Speak the truth in love until we all attain maturity. See, the truth is important. So Paul is telling the church to equip the saints, equip the church, build up the body. And we're to grow in every way into him who is the head. We're to grow into Christ. See, Paul here is saying this, truth matters. You can't read the scriptures. You can't read the gospels. You can't read the Old Testament without this. Truth matters. Truth is important. And truth is found in the knowledge of Christ. And again, speaking the truth is a synonym for preaching and teaching Christ alone. So the body of Christ must be truth-speaking truth people. When we buckle up with the belt of truth, when we put on the belt of truth as our armor, the first piece of armor, we live then in Christ's truth. And we speak the truth. We speak Christ's truth. And we display to the world that we belong to Jesus because we live and we breathe the truth. Remember when Paul said, put away falsehood? Put it away. You see, lying and falsehood 
makes us unequipped for the battle. If we're liars, we are unequipped for the battle. Who else is a liar? Satan. He's the father of lies. See, and who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. So if Jesus is truth, how then is people, how could we have reputations of being fake and false? Truth matters. And it's non-negotiable. Lovers of Christ must be lovers of truth. Is God true? Is there falsehood in him? No. You see, our God is great. He's the creator of all, and he is the measure of all. And since God is all-powerful, since God is always present, since God is all-knowing, then what God says and what God thinks about things is right, and it's true. So then, God is right, God is true, always. He's perfect. So then what should the number one question then of a follower of Jesus Christ, a lover of God, what should it be? What should we ask first? What does God think about this? What does God say about this? Because what God thinks and what God says is the truth. What God thinks and what God says it's true. And what do we call this? God's word. All scripture is God breathed. All scripture is inspired. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That the man of God would be equipped for every good work. This is God's word. And so the first question is this. What does the Bible say? And here's the other thing. When we go to God's word, it's dangerous. Well, I think this means my interpretation, what this means to me. Don't ask what this means to me. Ask what does this mean to God? Because truth matters. To not care about the truth is to not care about God. And when a person says there is no truth, or even if they say there's no absolute truth, or that truth changes, what they're saying, whether they like it or not, if you take it to the end, they're saying there is no God. When we love God, we love the truth. As we grow in our love for God, we will grow in our love for the truth. If a church is Christ-centered, the church is truth-centered. What is not true is not of God. And so we're to put on the belt of truth. Remember last week we spoke of our enemy. God is truth. The devil is a deceiver. The devil is a liar. And I really want all of us today just to really come in and be reminded of how important truth is. Or maybe some of you for the first time, I pray that the dots all connect on how God is true and how truth matters 
And we proclaim the truth. This is why we preach. This is why we worship. Because the truth is found in the word of God. And the truth reveals Christ from Genesis 1 to Revelation to the very end. It's about the truth that God is real and God loves us and God sent Jesus. And here's what's awesome. From Genesis 1 to Revelation, the stories are true. And as Christians, stop apologizing for Jonah and the fish. Yes, Jonah was in the fish. For three days, he was swallowed by a fish. And the world will say, whatever, you're ignorant. And I say, no, God is true. And that's what the word says. And how do I even know more? Because Jesus Christ is true. And Jesus said this, here's the sign I'm going to give you. Jonah was in the whale. I keep wanting to say the whale. Let's just call it the whale. Probably was a whale. But it says great fish, so we stick to the scriptures. He was there for three days. I will be in the grave for three days and I will rise again. And did Jesus rise again? Well, thank you for Jonah. Defend it with all your heart. Israel, they crossed the Red Sea. It was not the Sea of Reeds where they walked across puddles of water I guess then the miracle would be that puddles of water drowned Egypt's armies. God does amazing thing. These stories are true. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the guards who threw them into the fire, perished. They lived, and Christ was with them in the furnace. You see, these are not Disney movies, friends. These are true, and they reveal Christ. Do you know how awesome that is? I mean, seriously, who likes a good story? I love the Lord of the Rings. It's not true. But is there a hero in that? Yeah, you got the king and you got the hobbits and it's kind of cool. We have Jesus, the hero. Came, left heaven, came to earth, emptied himself, washed our feet, became a servant rose from the dead, and we have life in Christ. That's why we're here. It's true. Don't doubt God's word. If you don't believe it's true, yeah, I hate to say this, go enjoy the Super Bowl. It's all you got. But we have life in Christ because it's true. God is the truth. Remember it. God is the truth. Romans 3, 3 through 4. Paul says this, what if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means, and I love this, let God be true, though everyone were a liar. God the Father is true. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is true. John 15, 26. When the helper comes, whom will I send to you from the Father? The Holy Spirit of truth. Who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me. The Holy Spirit is true. 
God is the truth. And so remember, denying God is synonymous with denying the truth. And disagreeing with the one true God, it brings eternal punishment. Do you know that? Unbelief is what brings punishment. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 10. The wicked will perish because they refused to believe the truth and so be saved. 1 John 5, 1, 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, agree with the truth, that means that's coming to agreement with God. We confess and admit our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word, and his word is true, is not in us. Do you think God cares about the truth? Yes, because he is true. And also remember this, living for Christ Christian living, it's based on the knowledge of the truth. We walk in truth. 1 John 3, verse 13. Do not be surprised that the world hates you. We know we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. 316 through 18. By this we know, again, know, Confidence in this truth that Jesus, he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the words, world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Christian living is fueled by the truth. 1 John 3, verse 24, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. John also writes in there, I have written these things to you little children that you may know that you have eternal life. We rest in truth. We know we have eternal life. We know we have a relationship with Christ because God's word has been given to us to assure us of this truth. Yes, you were dead in your sins, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he has made us alive in Christ and has seated us with him in the heavenly places. By grace you have been saved through faith. We put our faith in the truth. You're going to get tired of hearing it, but I just want to shout it out today. Truth matters. 
That's where we put our faith in what's right and what's true. We don't hope that this is right. We know this is right. And it changes everything because we know Jesus is true. We know God's word is true. Colossians 1, 9 through 10. So from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. When Paul says, I'm praying you increase in the knowledge of God, he's saying, I pray you increase in the truth. Because God is true. What a gift we have in Jesus, amen? What assurance we have. And I love that Paul lists the belt of truth as the first protective piece of armor that we've been given through Jesus Christ. Think about the application that this one piece of armor gives us. Truth. Truth brings confidence. You ever been accused of something that you didn't do? Is it easier to defend yourself when you know you didn't do it? That's simple. I didn't do it. Did you do that? No. I think you did. I think you're wrong. I didn't do it. It's not even I think you're wrong. You're wrong. Are you telling me the truth? I'm telling you the truth. I, you know, I actually had to take a polygraph test one time. 17 years old, 18, 18 years old. Miller's Outpost, remember that place? Blue Jeans, 501s? I worked there. A lot of theft happening there. One day when I, I didn't know this, when I signed up to work there, they said, by the way, you signed a waiver saying you could have a polygraph test. Really? It, me? 18? Cool, hook me up. <laughs> Put the thing on and this, and, the, and I'm like, let's test this out. You know, and I'm like, like on the, you know, lies and the other one, steady as it can be, right? I'm like, go ahead, ask me anything. I don't have anything to hide. But can you imagine being hooked to that as an 18-year-old and you were a, a thief? Whoo, you'd be sweating. I had confidence. Ask me anything. Let's see if this thing works. I'm just going to tell you the truth. It was great. Kind of weird, really. I mean, 18 years old getting hooked up to that, but I wasn't worried because I wasn't a liar. Who sweats when under interrogation? Liars. Those hiding something. We have confidence. Guess what? Someone says, are you going to heaven? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Yes, I do. And it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ, who is true. It has everything to do with God's word, which tells me I am. And it is true. So I have confidence. I have assurance. I belong to Jesus. I am his. This is awesome. Let me stop, really. Just think about it. Rest in this. What confidence we have. And it's not a cockiness. It's a grace-filled, gracious confidence that we then go tell the world. We don't go, oh, yeah, well, you're not saved, you heathen. You're going to hell. We don't do that. We confidently bring the grace of God and the sweet aroma of the gospel 
to a world that's perishing. And we preach Christ because he's true. So we have confidence. We don't go, I think this is right. We say, I know this is right. It's great. As one who's been wrong so many times on so many things, this is nice. This is good for someone like me. This brings joy and confidence. Jesus is right. Here's the other thing. Are you sure you should do this? If scripture says it, yes. There's plenty in here that says, go do this. You don't even need, this is going to sound maybe weird to you, but we are to pray at all times, so I want to be very, very careful. But really, there's some things you don't even need to pray about. This is the will of God, that you flee sexual immorality. That's the truth. That's the will of God. Just do it. We just saw tons of things in Ephesians. Put away falsehood. Put off the old. Don't live like a Gentile. Don't live in the former way of life. Don't have to pray about it. Have confidence that God's word is true and it's right. And do what it says. Man, that's joyful. This isn't a mystery. We don't sit there and go, oh, I hope I get some kind of a word from God. Read it. You got words from God. It's not mumbo jumbo. It's secure. It's sound. That's why Jesus said, be a wise man and build your house upon the rock. Build your house upon these words and you will not fall. It's great to have confidence. <clears throat> when Paul writes to the Philippian church, what's he say? I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus is faithful to complete the work. We have great confidence in God's word because it's true. Remember Jesus praying for the church in the garden in John 17? Jesus prays for the church and he says this, sanctify them in the truth. Set them apart in the truth. Your word is truth. Look, you know this. The enemy wants us defeated. He wants us doubting. <coughs> he wants us thinking false thoughts about God. Stop. Run to the word because Jesus is true. Run to the word. God's word is true. The belt of truth in our armor, it holds everything together. This belt is security. We're secure in the truth of the gospel. <coughs> We're secure in the truth that we know Jesus Christ. Knowing the truth brings us resolved in a peaceful confidence in the word and the promises of God. You know, the world doesn't have this confidence. They have a lot of false hope because they deny God. But that's not us. We stand firm in the truth. I mean, look what God says. Go anywhere in scripture. God says this, you're forgiven. You don't have to say, I hope I'm forgiven. You are forgiven. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Is the enemy deceiving you on this? Remember, in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you have placed your faith in Christ Jesus, do not let 
the enemy drag you down by your past. Forgetting what lies behind, press on. You are new in Christ. If there are those of you out there, have we all sinned? Last week I felt like I was the only one who admitted it, and you guys made me feel bad. (laughs) We all have sinned. You know what the enemy wants us to do? He wants to say, oh man, when you were 18, you blew it. You're never going to amount to anything in God's kingdom. Stop. Stop that thought. Take every thought captive. Wash it through the word of God. Be renewed in your mind. God will use you because you're his and you are new in Christ. So go minister without fear and without doubts. What confidence we have. You know, we have confidence. This is on a practical level. Are you struggling financially? And this isn't prosperity. This is God's truth. And this is in a passage where Paul is talking about contentment. And he says this, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ. And again, it's not a prosperity passage. This is a contentment passage. God will take care of you. He takes care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the fields. You are worth more. He will provide. God's promises are awesome. Some of you have had friends and family pass away recently, gone from this life into glory. Can I remind you all of something? All of us, we're going to die. Or are we? Your friends and family did not die. Their body quit. The body went away. They did not die. Why do I know this? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What does everlasting mean? Everlasting means everlasting. So it's actually this amazing miracle when a saint leaves the body. Immediately. Not even a second hits. And they're with the Lord. Alive like they've never been alive before. So take hope because Jesus Christ defeated death. So we do not die. We live forever. I love that C.S. Lewis said this, you have never met a mortal man. You have met an eternal soul. Were we meant to die in the garden? Nope. Sin brought death. And so this body, it wastes away. Mine's a mess. The kids are tired of me aching and groaning and moaning. I'm getting a new one one day. This one wastes away. But guess what? Ron doesn't die. And by God's grace, by God's mercy, by his great free gift of salvation, the good stuff for Ron gets to go to heaven. And it's only good because of Christ. But the joy I have in Christ, it's going with me. 
my goofy personality that has been redeemed by Christ? Hey, you're in sin too, so you don't always think properly about me. (laughs) I don't always think properly about myself. But by God's grace, what he is making new goes with me. I'm not going to die. Yes, I'll be gone. My body will quit. But I'll be with Jesus. This is awesome. What confidence we have in the truth that we have. Go anywhere in scripture and rest in the promises of God because his word is true and he is true. And we have the belt of truth that gives us confidence to stand firm. Don't let anything that Satan throws your way take you out of your joy in Christ. Don't give an inch to the enemy. Stand firm in the truth. We have the belt that holds it all together. Let us be a people of God who boldly live and stand firm in the truth. Put on the belt of truth. Now we'll get into this a little bit later on the next weeks, but guess what? Everything in this armor, we have it in Christ. It is ours. When it says put on, it's a word that says take it, put it on with continual results. We have the armor. So know that we know the truth. And the truth is Jesus, and it's revealed in his word. And the truth brings freedom and grace and mercy and peace and confidence and joy and worship because we know Jesus because he's revealed in the truth. Isn't this awesome? I pray you're blessed today. I hope just a little bit of oozing of my excitement today over this kind of hits you. But God is so good. Oh boy. I used to kind of in my head get on Scott for going long. I don't want to rush through communion. It's too good. The Lord's Supper is such a celebration of the truth that Jesus died for us, isn't it? Let's have the men come forward. and We'll have the the worship team come up and as the elements are passed out, we will sing a song. And we'll close with a song too that really will bookend our time of celebration of what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray. And then we'll sing as the bread and the cup are passed out and dispersed to us. Father, thank you for your word. I'm overwhelmed by the blessing that you have given us that we don't have to go through this life wondering, hoping, doubting, fearful. But Father, in you we have great confidence because your word is true. You are faithful to us. You reveal to us your plan of salvation through Jesus Christ and he is the truth. All that your word has said comes true. All that Jesus did proves he's the truth. And Father, you have awakened us from death into life so that we know that we belong to you because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And the Holy Spirit, who now lives in us, reminds us and reveals Christ to us. 
this is awesome. Truly, truly awesome, all that you've done for us. And so, Father, now we celebrate as we remember your sacrifice on the cross, that you were the lamb who was slain. And Lord, now, because of that, we have no need for other sacrifices. You paid the penalty for our sins once for all on the cross. And so, Father, we thank you and we worship you and we praise you. May we now spend this time in joyful reflection of your grace and mercy upon us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.